Recorded in Seattle, Washington, it's an earful in the Emerald City. Hold on to your butt. Where local and national gossip is twisted with comedy. Starring two typical guys who hold nothing back. What the hell is so great about that? To make your jaws sore. Oh, that's nasty. Get your mind out of the gutter and give it up. I sound like the bad guy in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> That's a great character. That guy was good. I need to watch that again. Wait for my kids to be a little older. Yeah, yeah. Give it a little. Give it a little bit of time. It's a little fucking creepy to watch that guy dip those shoes in that acid. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. That oh, yeah. that fucked me up when I was a kid. Yeah. It was a little bit too raw, a little too real. Yeah. Bad way to go. And acid, come on. I mean, as a kid, I didn't know what acid was, but yeah. that that shoe was cute. Yeah. And the guy, like, dipped it in the acid and killed it yeah. on camera. He was, yeah, he was, he was so sweet, you know? Like, he wouldn't hurt anybody. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. I, I mean, mean and of all the cartoon characters in that movie, that shoe was the only one that, as a matter of fact, did have a soul. <laughs> Oh, all right. All right. Thank you for joining us for another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. Thank you guys for uh, joining us here. We appreciate it. Uh, on this episode number 69. 69. Oh, dude, I can't believe you said it, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, the big old 69 here. Uh, joined by my good buddy here, Mr. Blake, Blake Kiltoff. Oh, come on. Look, don't ruin your intro for me. What did we just talk about for 20 minutes? Oh, sorry. That's all right. Now, Blake Kiltoff joining me here for the show today, you guys. Thank you for being here as well. Number 69. You're welcome. Blake, yeah, I know. It's a big moment for us here, man. Let me ask you. Oh. Since since we brought it up already. Yeah. How, what do you, what, how do you feel about the 69? Huh? The episode or the act? Uh, the, the, well, the act. We'll talk about the episode when it's done. Okay. Um uh what, one of my favorite things in life. Um Oh wow, you really want me to just go on a tangent about the the act of mutual oral pleasure. Well, the 69 is so named because the digits represent the yin and yang, uh the two people with their taints in each other's faces orally pleasuring each other in what can only be described as an ecstatic moment. That few people can really appreciate without, um, you know, having done it themselves. Aaron, is this, are you hitting on me? Is that what's going on right now? Well, you know, I mean, it's a, I set the mood here a little bit with the lighting, so. It is kind of cold. It is kind of hot out. in here. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, take your jacket off, stay for a little while. But no, that's, that. you know, that's one of those things with, uh, as far as my girlfriends go, it's like, no one was ever into it when they met me. And then after I like had to kind of convince them by the end of things, that was like it was their idea more than it was mine. You know, it's like it's one of those things where eh, it seems a little weird at first, but uh, everybody's getting what they want. Yeah, um, you you have to be careful about your nose, though, where yeah, your nose all. goes. And watch it's... where watch where the nose goes. Yeah, no, it, it, it and it can be a competition too. That's what I like about it. Oh yeah, you know it could be a competition. You know, see uh, who's got more stamina. 
See who can hold out longer. That person, whoever loses, has to cook and do the dishes. How do you how do you lose? Like whoever comes first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, I was thinking of like you were talking about like you could just knee her in the head or something. Like, <laughs> and so. and she passes out and you win. Well, you, what kind of competition would that be? You, you don't come. You you win. <laughs> Oh God! Got to go morbid there on it. Just near in the head and keep going down on her until she comes, and then she has to do dishes. But how do you, you don't you wouldn't know though? How would you know? You got to get that verification. Oh well, I didn't. She doesn't have to be un- unconscious. She just has <laughs> to be done done blowing you. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Tr- give it a try though, you guys. Give it a I try. I I wouldn't knock a girl. Aaron, don't knock a girl out. No, that's rape. No, they know. If you if you want to win, you just make them stop. We've clearly talked about donkey punches before. That's an issue that's been addressed. The viewers know how we feel. It's a very sore subject with us. So no, don't don't worry. All right, we're not endorsing anything, but the competition, you guys. I'm telling you, ain't love kick (laughs) in the head. Loser does the dishes and has to cook dinner. I mean, that's that's a fucking. You feel like a king. When you not only get the food made for you, and you don't have to clean anything up afterwards, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Ladies, I want you to know that I'm in Aaron's house right now, <laughs> and you do have to do it in that order. Dishes first, then yeah. cook. <laughs> it's going to be a sink full of them. Uh, <laughs> those are all the ones you're going to want to use are up there, you know. I got a buddy, I got a buddy who girlfriend cooks for him almost every night. And does the dishes. Motherfucker still has not put a ring on it after five years. <laughs> he sees her game. I, what is this guy doing? I, nah, he sees the game. He sees what's up. What she does for you before you offer to marry her is what is not going to happen when she's done. When she's, got, when she's got that rock on her finger <laughs> and she's ready to lock it in. As soon as she says, I do, mm-hmm. next thing she's going to say is, I do not. <laughs> I do not want to do the dishes anymore. I don't want to do the dishes anymore. <laughs> Is that how it goes? You get the wedding registry dishwasher. Who You think she's going to install it? Mm-mm. <laughs> You're going to be down on your knees fucking doing plumbing for the rest of your life. And I don't mean that as a euphemism anymore. <laughs> You're talking about your girlfriends, how you talk them into doing 69. Jesus Christ. I've been there married for 10 years, Aaron. I have to We're write an that. essay. I have to write an essay. It's a fucking political debate in my house. There's a whole event. We get up at our podiums. We raise our points. Ultimately, the person with the most contributions is the one who gets the party platform. It gets to be the bottom. That's what I'm going to call it from now on, the party platform. That is definitely a party platform. Oh man, I had a buddy who just got married, and oh. and it was so funny. He was talking to me, you know, like we were kind of getting a little hampered on uh, <coughs> our bachelor party arrangements. You know, we had a th- third party. I won't name any names, but uh, I can think you can see what I'm getting at here. But that was intervening and kind of fucking everything up. Yeah, he just, and we're talking about. It. He's like, oh yeah. And, well, he's like, no, it's 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 cool, man. You know, once we just get through this wedding and do all this shit. Um, everything will be fine. You know, I'll have a lot more freedom. It'll be fine to go. I'm like, are you serious? Do you know how it works, man? No, you're you're done. After the wedding, you're finished. You're finished. If 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 we're if we're getting ousted for the bachelor party, 
what's going to happen on a random Saturday night? Yeah. No, the uh, the people who get married who um, think that they're going to have a different life after they get married are usually wrong in a bad way. People who get married who are expecting life to be better and you know the same, they're going to be with their partner even more, they're not really going to talk about having more freedom. They're going to talk about spending more time at home with my wife because I love her. Yeah. Uh, that That's... That's, I think, where the whole stereotype of the of the guy who hates being married and feels like he's the the metaphor of the ball and chain. Like, why is that such a popular metaphor? Because I think a lot of people get married uh, thinking that it's going to be a big improvement and things are going to be radically different after Mm -hmm. the ceremony. But the only thing that's going to be radically different is that you're now giving sort of a legal framework to the obligations that were being put upon you in the first place. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who are happily married. I'm just saying that there are some people out there who don't like their obligations. Now they've tied the knot. There's another metaphor. They've tied the knot and they've made it a legal obligation. Whereas people who are happily married, they don't view it as obligations. They they resent calling it the ball and chain. They don't think of it that way. I think my brother's married like that. I think he's really... um, I think he's really in love with his wife and he, he really enjoys taking care of his family. Yeah. I think he told me that too because he's incredibly delusional. Tool. You know? Yeah. He's incredibly delusional. Sounds and he, like a fool. He wanted to try to convince himself, but, you know, obviously it wasn't happening. But I, no, and that's, what it sh- and that's what it should be, man. I mean, that's, and that's why my personal history, I've never, I feel like I've never really had that connection. I've, 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 I've had people that I've enjoyed being around, mm-hmm. but never like, never had that person where I'm like, man, I just, I can't get enough of being around this person. You know, it's never really happened for me. And I think that's why I've never really done that much as far as, you know, long-term relationships go. I have, uh, I, you know about me, I have some very strong feelings about relationships at this point. <laughs> I'm in a very, very much a state of flux with, with my marriage and things. And um, I don't know. I think I'm pretty much at the end of a 10-year relationship. Uh, so... I might come across as a little more jaded than <laughs> I would be under my more optimistic time of life. <laughs> a more youthful and vibrant you. <laughs> Stupid Blake wouldn't say this. <laughs> That's fucking life though, man. It just beats you down and then it's like, and then, and then yeah, you're just scarred for life and you're another used piece of garbage out there. Well, I like to think I'm learning from the experience. I mean, I, I have to sort of ham up the jaded uh, divorcee character for the comedic effect. But, um, you know, the reality is is that I've also learned things about relationships and getting along with other people and understanding who you should marry and why you should marry and why people get married and have long-term relationships that I, I didn't understand when I was 23 and getting married. I just didn't know. Yeah. I didn't have a good mo- It's my parents' fault. It's their <laughs> fault. I didn't have good role models. That's how they did it, man. They twenty four, two kids, third one on the way. You know, that's just it's just different now. And and now and now we got people, you know, like me, I'm still in my I'm in my thirties, I'm single. And I got people too I know who are friends or and acquaintances and you know, they're still they're still living at home. They're still living at home with their parents and it's just like this this would never have flown a, a while ago, you know. This yeah. is something completely new that we're into here, and I mean, I I don't want to say it's bad, but 
It's uh, times are changing. I I just I think about living with my pa- oh my god. I mean, I've had some bad roommates. Don't get me wrong, but like just I I, I, I guess I, it comes again back again too to people who like their family. Like I guess if you really love your. Uh, parents, or I shouldn't say love. I should say enjoy spending time with them. Then you know maybe that's not as big of a deal to you. But me personally, I just uh, you have a lot. I, to, you have a lot to hide and you be ashamed of. I so do. I do. Well, and I, and I see a lot of bad decisions being made too, and I don't want to be around that. You know, you I wouldn't mean, want your parents seeing you making those kinds of things. Decisions. I'll I'll make my own bad decisions. Yeah, in my own time. I don't need to see you doing yours. You know, no. Can't do it, man. So they kicked you out earlier this year. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not funny, Blake. I've, I've actually, I was, I was thinking about. It. I've, I've uh, been at this place for almost two years now. I just got my own apartment for the first time in uh, ten, my whole life mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Nice, like first time. I've, I'm like living in this one bedroom apartment in Snohomish, a couple blocks from my house with. Where my kids are and my wife is, and then it's just like we have a small house, so uh, whether or not we ultimately end the marriage or anything, it's like uh, probably stay in the apartment anyway because it's a small house and it's really nice having my own space. Yeah, my mess is my mess, and my clean is my clean, and yeah, it never gets out of hand too when you're by yourself. It's yeah, you know, the place isn't gonna turn into a goddamn pigsty. It does suck to pay nine hundred bucks for a place I'm in to sleep like that's pretty much the only time i'm there yeah. i i buy food and i don't even cook it because i have all my meals at home yeah well you know sometimes you gotta make those special arrangements but yeah two years i've been here that's like i'm like a i'm like a stepchild you know like a junior high stepchild i just go in one place to another all over the place i haven't been in a place this long in like over a decade now Hmm. and it's so weird just like always kind of being in that might be potentially moving soon phase like always like that like this is either the first time really i've been like nah, i don't think i'm going anywhere sounds like you're starting to settle down i know you're going from a pl- plurality of homes to a to a place you're gonna stay at consistently mm-hmm. i noticed that you referred to girlfriends maybe you're willing to settle on one yeah I mean, it would it would be nice to have some someone to watch movies with, you know. <laughs> Maybe clean the dishes. I'll I'll cook. I'll, I'll definitely cook. You know what you could do is have them fight each other and mm-hmm. and keep the winner. Ooh, fight each other? What like a couple of chimps or bonobo, <laughs> bonobos? Or no, no, not not bonobos. Chimps. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks that chimps fight all the time, and. uh it's based on like researchers going out into the jungle and um, and bringing a truckload of bananas and, and to get the chimps to come because uh, the chimps all come and then the researchers sit back and watch and the chimps form little bands and have what they call chimp wars, which is not like parking wars or storage wars. It's okay. I was about to say the chimps they they uh, massacre each other. But you gotta remember, there's like twelve monkeys. So there's, there's cannibalism involved. Oh, you know, there's like nuts being ripped off, swung around the head, <laughs> like in a victory cry. But this is like a oh, chimp war. It's like you know, twelve monkeys, five chimps kill five chimps. It's like it's not. I mean, we call it a war because on a societal scale, it's you know, good fifty percent of their population. But um. But the thing is, is that they go from they go from bringing all the bananas to feed to the chimps to 
uh, and seeing them do this to, to say, oh, chimps fight all the time. They're very warlike. They, they're like us. They love to kill each other. And it's, it's like, well, maybe if you didn't come out there with a truckload of bananas, <laughs> they wouldn't do this. I mean, tr- don't chimpanzees spend their entire life in the jungle kind of hanging out in spacious treetops, yeah. eating one banana at a time? Relaxing, picking bugs out of each other's hairs. Fucking it's like, that's like chumming up a bunch of sharks and not expecting them to go into a frenzy and try yeah. to bite everything they can. Yeah, yeah. That's not how it works. Why would chimpanzees start a war? They have plenty of space. They have plenty of food. They don't have to, like, fight over resources. And, and oh, well, maybe they're fighting over mates. Well, that's the interesting thing. You know, chimpanzees, they like to fuck. They're like us. They're our closest genetic relatives. They like to fuck. And they uh, don't advertise when they're fertile. Like us. They also have huge dicks like us. That's one of the... There's a, there's a few like physiological facts about humans and chimps and our other closest genetic relative, the bonobo monkey, that people don't know. Uh, one is that we don't advertise when we're fertile. Other animals advertise. Like dogs, you know when they're in heat. That's true, yeah. You know when the dog's on its uh, bleeding because yeah. it's scooting it on the rug. A cat, you know, you hear that... Oh, God, so annoying. But uh, bonobos and chimps and humans are like some of the only animals that don't advertise when they're fertile. Why not? Because we like to fuck. <laughs> That's right. Bonobos, chimps, and humans, we, we like to screw all the time. And by not advertising, it takes uh, a resource that might ca- cause people to f- monkeys to fight over it and just makes it a resource that's infinite in supply. Yeah. Uh, basically, the girl monkey is like, I like to fuck all the time, and you're never going to know if you're going to be my baby's daddy. I think things might change uh, for humans. We might figure out a way to make women signal when they're on their period. Like maybe under Trump, we'll start, we'll, he'll bring back the gold star. We'll have like an armband for women to wear when they're on their period with Ooh, a gold yeah, star on true. it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, make sure they got to wear them outside, you know. Maybe identify. a special camp to put them in. Yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna make America great again, man. Speaking of uh, speaking of war, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, chimps that's pretty crazy, like <laughs> ripping the nuts off, like, and they would do that to me or you if you got in a fight with a chimp. Like they 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 know enough that we look alike, we're kind of similar beans and yeah they, they would they would go for that yeah shit. yeah like where would you like the guys from that movie uh the alien movie um uh shit uh you know the, the big guys from the alien movie prometheus hmm. remember did you see that movie yeah well those guys were totally aliens yeah where would you kick them eh, probably right in the crotch go right for the nuts power right in the kiss them totally doesn't look like us looks enough like us yeah yeah that's that's how chimps see us yeah yeah, it's true. Not sorry, exactly sorry. The same, but totally interrupted you. No, it's fine. I was just, uh, I was actually, you, you talking about war, and I was just thinking, um, I was listening to this podcast recently, actually, and it was a history podcast, and it was about uh, the Cold War. Dan Carlin? Yeah, yeah, Hardcore History. What yeah, is, I listened to that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, if you, guys, if you guys are looking for another good po- podcast to listen to, and you don't listen to Hardcore History, check it out. But he did this, he did this whole episode on, um, you know, the cold war and stuff and basically the whole nuclear age starting from the end of world war two up to, you know, late eighties, early nineties. And it's so crazy to look back on that time because that's one of the few times in history where the surprising thing is the fact that what didn't happen, 
you know, not, not that not what did happen. It was what didn't happen is what shocked everybody. And, and it got to a point where people were expecting it was just inevitable that at some point it was going to happen. And, you know, you, you built your bomb shelter and you had your ration stored and hope for the best, you know, hope, hope, hopefully it's quick and easy. Well, it's not too late. <laughs> and, and that's the, and that's the fucked thing about nuclear weapons. Yeah. We got to, this shit's going to be hanging over our head for the next however long. Have you ever heard of the great f- filter hypothesis? Mm-mm. Um, I think it was Carl Sagan. Uh, w- some nerd was <laughs> sort of postulating about the fact that there's so many stars and galaxies out there that just in terms of sheer probability, there have got to be other intelligent species on other planets. They've just got to be out there, Mm -hmm. but there's no evidence. There's no radio signals coming. There's no visitors from another planet. And, and you know, we're, we're talking about billions of years of time in which other planets could evolve life and, and they could evolve technology and they could maybe get even more advanced than us and travel the stars or at least develop a radio and, and send a signal, but we got nothing. So, you know, Carl Sagan or what some nerd was thinking, well, why not? And the hypothesis is, is that, well, maybe there's a great filter. Like if you look at the epochs in earth history, you see, uh, archaeological evidence for mass extinction events and some species survive and if you look at human history you see uh, great events where civilizations are wiped out and other civilizations survive and maybe that happens on a planetary level maybe there's uh, a sort of litmus test of uh, events that species have to go through in order to reach this level of interplanetary exploration and it it's like passing advanced tests one after the other and they just get harder and harder and maybe the great filter that's what it is it filters out species over time until you get to this level where intelligence is just so rarefied it practically doesn't exist and maybe we haven't reached that moment yet or maybe nuclear weapons are it like that that's the gist of it is like maybe as species become more intelligent they uh, create technology that their intelligence can no longer control. Yeah. And with nuclear bombs are an interesting uh, example of that because uh, the people who invented them were very smart people. But we cede control to one person in America. We give the- that's, And that's what it is. And it comes down to one person who gets it. And think of how many lives are at stake yeah. if that one person makes the wrong move. I mean, we're talking tens of millions of lives, and all this shit would just happen instantaneous, instantaneously. But I think it's a, I think it's a really, honestly, a, a huge credit to the presidents that we've had and our military. Even though at times I'm sure they did want to take advantage of that, but just the fact that we haven't used them again since then. I don't, I don't buy that. That's that's like somebody finding a girl passed out and like putting that on an essay for like why he's a great guy that he didn't rape her. Like just cause you don't commit party rape or date rape or anything doesn't mean you're a great person. Just cause you don't use nukes doesn't mean you're a great president. Yeah. But do you know how scared people were of communism back then though, man? I mean, they were terrified of that shit. That's it, it was like terrorism now. Well, fair enough. I, I wasn't talking about all presidents. I, I was just kind of responding uh, yeah. to the, the claim that all the presidents up until now, and maybe, okay, after Trump gets out of office, if he hasn't used nukes, I don't think that qualifies him for like being, oh, well, he was a pretty good guy. 
It's like just because he didn't use, just because you don't. It, I mean, it, it's a. I, I don't think I don't think him specifically does maybe deserves a ton of credit, but I think human beings in general do. The fact that you know he's in that position and he didn't fuck it up. I mean, again, it's not. Oh yeah, we're great, but it's like it's adding to the chain here. Yeah. yeah. See, the reason I can't buy it is because then I think of like other uh, places where they have way worse political systems and their leaders have access to nuclear weapons and they're not using them either. I mean, it's not <laughs> Kim Jong Un is not not nuking people out of morality. It's uh, it's something more primitive like fear. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're probably right, but I don't know. I just think, I mean, think back to like for Harry Truman after World War II, it's like, you're the only country that has this technology. I mean, you have a window there to, to yield a gigantic sword, a huge sword that nobody else even possesses. And, you know, again, I'm not going to say he's a great person just because he didn't, but he blew it. (laughs) A lot of people say, I, th- I think he, I think he, he, he played it pretty, pretty well during tough times. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, good call, Truman. Yeah. But you know, if the Russians had invaded, like if we had had, if 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 Red if Red Dawn had been a documentary instead of a, do you remember Red Dawn with Kurt Russell? Yeah. If that had been more of a documentary, and then you know we'd won, and then twenty years later we're all sitting around talking about, it, we'd be looking back at Truman and be like, that fucking asshole. <laughs> that son of a bitch motherfucker could have taken out the Russians and solved this whole thing hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. instead we came out of the end of a really 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 scary Mexican standoff and no one got shot yeah. and we look back and it's like wow even Truman was wise enough to refrain from using these horrible weapons Yeah, it's like mm, I think we just kind of got lucky all around it's it's definitely lucky man I'll there's no question about it. It's definitely lucky. And that's but, the great filter. Yeah. I mean, that's what Dan Collin talks about in the show, right? It's like uh, you imagine walking a tightrope for 30 seconds. Okay, yeah, maybe I can do that. We've been walking this tightrope for 50, 60 years. Yeah. And there's no end in sight. <laughs> I mean, we we like to not think about it at this point. And that, yeah. I'm, I'm going to sound more yeah, and more pushed, paranoid as we go on. No, well, no, <laughs> no. You're right, though. We've pushed it out of our daily thoughts and even our... You know, weekly, monthly. Yeah. I wonder how many people even really seriously consider the fact that Trump is the sole authority who could just launch nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. The guy goes on Twitter at 4 a.m. and doesn't seem to give a shit about what he puts out there. I wonder how many obstacles there are in his mind to him just launching a nuke. Like just one day we're going to wake up. Maybe just maybe we're just going to wake up one day. And it's going to be a headline like Trump launched a nuke and it didn't hurt anyone. He just wanted to see how the Democrats would react. So he just launched a nuke and it blew up over the ocean and some whales are dead. Like It's just going to be some crazy, stupid shit. But he could. He really could. Yeah. That's we have set up our national security so that if there was a nuclear event, the president doesn't have to wait for, for an order from Congress. The president has the power to launch a nuke with that suitcase that he carries around. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And they have that guy. He he stays at the White House with him with the briefcase. And they they're timing that guy to make sure that he can get 
to the president as quick as possible, you know, in the case, because a lot of, with a lot of this shit, if somebody launches and, and it's done, it's like, it's, you got six, seven minutes to figure this out. Yeah. And you then gotta, you got to weigh the biggest decision of your life in five or six minutes. I remember uh, last week, one of the internet memes going around about Trump was about, um, Hey, didn't he say that within his first 30 days in office, he was going to present a plan to wipe out ISIS in a month? Where's that? Where's that at? And I just keep thinking, like, could you guys not goad him? Like, especially when it comes to, like, hey, Trump, how are you really going to obliterate millions of people in just 30 days? Like, I, I, warmongering. Yeah. I don't think we need to uh, really think hard about the ways he could do that. Yeah. Let's, we, he has a suitcase. Let's not focus on that one right now. God damn. Yeah, it's just—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's crazy, man. But but you're right. I mean, we're still in this situation technically. I mean, maybe tensions aren't higher than average at this point, but it's geopolitical stuff. I mean, anything could happen over a weekend that could completely change that. You know, evidence of Russia wiretapping or whatever, and we're—you know—we could potentially be right back in the situation where it's like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you think they're—you think they're going to hit the West Coast pretty hard if they do? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing too, like for them, it's like how far do you go at that point? Let's say let's say Russia shoots one, they they blow up New York, which is obviously the biggest city in this country. How far do you go in retaliation? Well, I think the uh <clears throat> I think the, the game plan assumes that if they're gonna blow up one city, they're gonna assume that we'll retaliate, so they don't blow up one city; they just blow them all up. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's why it's MAD. That's why it's mutually assured destruction. It's yeah. just like, uh, and that's why it's so scary because, well, because it's you know, this it can be the straw that broke the camel's back of our species. Yeah, I know we're doing so good, so advanced, and then. Yeah, I could all just get fucked up. And- yeah, man, we're so fucking, we're such advanced monkeys. We've got all the fucking bananas you can eat. <laughs> we got a fucking computer on my phone, and I can find other monkeys to fuck whenever I want. And and we've got a stick that we can use to wipe out all the other monkeys on another continent. What could go wrong? We're top apes. <laughs> oh, man. No, life was, life was better. Before agriculture, back when humans just roamed the savannas in small orgiastic bands of tight knit communities, no family structure, no political structure, plenty of resources, never running into other humans. You think there was plenty of resources? Yeah. Oh really? yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Fossil evidence bears it out. Yeah. The average, uh, like prehistoric human skeleton, was a healthy height, healthy healthy bone structure they they look at how the bones grow because the bones sort of calcify over time they can kind of like rings in a tree mm, they, okay. they look at these fossilized bones they could be like oh this this was a so-and-so year old male and look he grew up to a healthy height this is kind of cool yeah and it's like uh yeah prehistoric um people were taller and healthier than like the romans than the romans really yeah and definitely the civil war era people i mean Think yeah. of Ireland. Think of Ireland during the uh, industrial era when they were all starving to death. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Cause of, yeah, or Germany during the turn-up winter. Um, you ha- I mean, there's starving to death, but there's also just uh, malnutrition over a generation. It causes stunted growth and things that you can see in the, in the, in the record, in the yeah. fossil record. 
Not that's, that those are things in the fossil record. That's that's true. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So um, there were way less humans, and yeah, you know, there's an interesting uh, story of the British explorers discovering the Aborigines and writing back to their homeland about how horribly impoverished and miserable these people were because they didn't grow food and they were watching them eat bugs off the ground. And the British couldn't speak to the Aborigines, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's like, oh no! It turns out they they just ate bugs. Like they were foragers. They they were not starving. The British saw them eating bugs and assumed they were starving. There's all this imperialism and uh, bigotry that kind of underlies our view of prehistory. Thomas Hobbes, I think it was, is the one who said that the prehistoric life was nasty, brutish, and short. What did he base that on? Was he an anthropologist? Did he go digging up fossils? Did he go to Australia and discover the Aborigines? No. He heard about these things that the British explorers were coming back and reporting on. Yeah. And those British explorers were racist. (laughs) Look at these black people eating worms. They must be miserable. Yeah. Let's chain them up and take them home and make them better. (laughs) It's all about your perspective. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny you say about agriculture because that is an interesting um, interesting theory. But, but yeah, I mean, we've been around for 250,000 years. And, yeah, agriculture was, what, maybe 10,000 years ago? Somewhere around there. And it's like, look how far we've come in just that last 10,000. And, yeah, like you said, we got along for 200 250,000 before that, a, a, a ton, such a long time. I mean, think about us doing another 250 at this point. I mean, is, is that in the cards? Yeah. <laughs> think of us doing another 1,000 years at this point. <laughs> I mean... Look how desperate people are to go off planet. You hate, you hate to be pessimistic, but it's like, oh boy, yeah. I mean, even, even 1,000. Even in one generation, we went from thinking of going off planet as science fiction to being our only option for like our great grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's part that's part of uh the fact that our predictions have gotten a lot more dire recently, you know. And not all of them have necessarily come to fruition either. So maybe we're just a little bit more pessimistic these days. Yeah, the polls keep turning out to be wrong, so Maybe this is just another example of the polls being wrong. Yeah. Our culture is pretty pessimistic, and uh, it's probably a reflection of the economy more than anything else. It, it, it is. It is. It's probably a, a, a small dipping in the standard of living, and yet people don't realize that we're going from a really good place to eh, maybe not quite as good, but you know, pretty close there, especially on the uh, world stage, as far as you look at it like that. But... I was uh you were you were talking about you were talking about the nukes and the the fault you know the erase and I was thinking to myself man that's a that's a good reason to fight globalism you know good reason to have Trump there in, in there in office fight the globalists maybe that's uh, going to be the end of us who knows I am not following what you mean uh God you know I'm not I'm not expressing it well but I don't know you just made a point about that it's but it is just it is incredible to me, like you said, that we have to live with this from now on. I mean, we're still going to be walking this rope for 
pretty much stays coming. I mean, we've we, we've had some countries take the stockpiles down, and the numbers were insane when you look at like the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, the the numbers were just gigantic. Yeah, it's like like do you guys realize this isn't even necessary? Like you, you can't even use all this, even if you wanted to, to destroy the entire planet. I mean, the Soviet Union had fifty or sixty thousand nukes. Mm-hmm. It's like you can hit every town in the world three times. We have fifty thousand nukes. <laughs> we used to have fifty thousand, and we have now gotten rid of almost Price, America. Price. almost half of the stockpile. That is right. We have gotten rid of ten thousand nukes. Now we have half only half of the stockpile. Only twenty thousand nukes left. <laughs> I think you know what I think we should do at this point when it comes to our arsenal, our nuclear arsenal. I think we should say that we're building it up or, or at least or at least say that we're maintaining it keeping it strong keeping it where it's at while secretly breaking it down yeah we should just build test nukes mm-hmm. and 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 tear down the other ones exactly just fakes yeah cuz that's what it's all about you know it's just it's just having that trump card in your back pocket and saying oh you guys oh you guys want to try something you got oh all right we're going we'll nuke your ass did you see that test we did last week yeah you see that we, was a big one huh see what we did to bikini atoll place fell off the map actually it was the russians who detonated uh some of the some of the biggest ones yeah they they have the the sar bomb the czar yeah. bomb that yeah. thing's scary yeah it's like lightning inside of it while it's going I think on the mushroom the the fireball was 80 miles wide or eight miles wide it's just like what the fuck just like the whole city of seattle gone yeah and that's and yeah, that's Good what you say it is it is mad, you know. I mean, because no one's going to survive that. No one's going to get through there. All it takes is a couple of those big ones around here, and unless you're hunkered down with plenty of dry stores and rations, I don't think you're going to survive the fallout. Yeah, yeah. And the stories Dan Carlin went over about like Oppenheimer going to the president, talking about how like maybe we should just build one that's like half that big. No, the guy in Russia going to uh, not Stalin, but the guy who replaced Stalin. Um, uh, Khrushchev, yeah, uh, going to him and and like he painted a, a good story too. He's like, you know, you gotta remember this is Khrushchev, Stalin's second in command. Yeah. And for years, if people went to Stalin and talked to Stalin like this, they they were in a world of hurt. Yeah, and and Khrushchev was not. He was different than Stalin, and it, it, just how different he was is probably you know revealed by the fact that the scientist came to him and said, "Hey, look, you, I know you wanted a hundred megatons." How about eighty megatons? How about we just, how about we just do eighty megatons instead? <laughs> I think that'll suffice. And he talked to Khrushchev. He talked him down to the eighty, 80 megaton bombs. <laughs> and, <laughs> but what I can't remember was the explanation for like why the arms race kept going. It was like why? It, it wasn't just because because there was a point at which uh, I feel like both sides understood that they had enough weapons to destroy the world. Yeah. And they just couldn't stop building them because as soon as they stopped building them, it was like a political liability. Yeah. Like the populace would be afraid. Well, and, and, and it's like a poker game, you know? It's like it, everybody's trying to pull off the biggest bluff, you know? It's like, oh, we got the biggest, you know, we could, we could pull it. You know, you're trying to get them, you know, lay it down, man. You know, this this one's not for you. We got this. Yeah. And it's just, and yeah, and it just goes back and forth. And, and then and, at the end of the game, both sides put their cards down and be like, this is crazy. We have to stop this game. This is crazy. And then <laughs> both my sides. my mortgage in here. All right. This, we can't do this. And they both look at Harry Truman and they're like, why the fuck didn't you say we should just play blackjack? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. You had the cards. You could have called a different game. Yeah. 
I would have accepted bridge. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And you're right in that guy who too who's think of that conversation you're having with Khrushchev. You're like, hey, uh, not to question you because you're the man here and you're the leader, but maybe fifty will do. <laughs> you know, we can still get rid of New York with that. So that's crazy though, man. I mean, and again, it's some people have said now that climate change is a bigger threat to humankind than, than nuclear war. And I gotta, I gotta strongly disagree with that just because like we said, I mean, the nuclear war is it's, it's, it's literally, it's imminent always, you know, with the right situation and the right lead up to something going into it. It's, it's imminent always, especially when we're talking minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes potentially. But uh, global warming, like I said, the predictions have gotten dire recently, but I still feel like well, we have some time to maybe right that ship. Let's, uh, let's understand what a threat is. Um, a threat can be quantified. It's the probability that something will happen times the impact it will have on you. That's, that's the risk. It's how likely is something bad going to happen and... If it does happen, how bad is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, nuclear weapons, 100%. 100%. Let's just go with 99.9% uh, damage. The probability that they're going to go off all at once and we're all going to die because of someone like Trump or some political instability, that's lower yeah. than the probability of climate change. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and, you're you're right. And, and cli- so, so here's where I'm going. Climate change is is uh, happening. It's um, I'm going to go on a limb there and say it's it's 100 percent climate change is happening. And I I just to beg off the you're going the, above ninety seven percent. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with climate change is happening. Whether it's man caused or partially man caused is irrelevant. Climate change is is real. I don't think even the most conservative Republicans are arguing about that yeah. anymore. Well, that's kind of why they changed it, too. Yeah. And um, there is a 100% chance that climate change is happening. And the damage is less than nuclear war, but it's it's a very real damage that's going to occur over time. And I think over time, in a much less dramatic way than nuclear war, climate change is going to cause millions of people to be displaced millions of people to die maybe through indirect causes and might ultimately be the stressors in our societies that cause the use of nuclear weapons. Yeah. And so for that reason, I would agree with the statement that climate change is a greater risk to humanity than nuclear weapons because without climate change, we might never get to use them. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what's so ironic about, about climate change. Is this is, show supposed to be funny? Uh, well, you know, we do all kinds of episodes, but ba, ba, sometimes ba, ba, we got to But no, that's the interesting thing, though, with climate change is that, like, yeah, the people who are affected worse are those poor people, are the people who are already less fortunate or in bad situations, and they're the ones that hit the brunt of it. And again, a lot of that climate change is coming from those more developed nations. You know, they get to live that lifestyle. We get to have all the nice things that we want. And, you know, we produce all this bullshit. 
I mean, that's what's that's what's so tragic about the whole situation, in my opinion, is the just that dichotomy between the you know the developed world and the undeveloped world, and how it affects the people who aren't causing it more. I mean, it's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, it's real tearjerker. <laughs> it reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit um, about time travel. He he he's like, uh, you know. Uh, I'm not gonna do the whole bit, but he's talking about being white and how how it's great. Like, (laughs) to be clear, I'm not saying that white people are better. I'm just saying that clearly, being white is better. Like, if it was an option, I'd re up every year. (laughs) I mean, here's how great it is to be white. I could go in the time machine. I could go to literally any time in the past, and things would be great. I want to go to the future, though. I don't know. I don't want to see what they're gonna do to us because we're gonna pay hard for this shit. It's like, yeah, that that sounds that's very true. Yeah, you know the the uh, discrepancy between the wealthy and the poor countries of the world is um, drawn along color lines. Still, it's changing dr- drastically. Uh, the population explosion and technology explosions in in China yeah. and India, I think, are having a huge impact. But well, and I was going to say, you know, where it's not drawn along the color lines is in America. Well, yeah. This is actually one of the few places where it's not drawn along the color lines. But I'll agree with you with the majority of the rest of the world. Yeah, the majority of the rest of the world is not uh, as blessed as America when it comes to being a land of freedom and opportunity and equality. Mm -hmm. Um, Here in America, we have brought many people together, sometimes forcibly, uh, in (laughs) chains on ships in order to help them take part in our dream. But we can't bring everybody here. Mm -hmm. No. We cannot. They don't make boats big enough for that. <laughs> oh man, that's that's the beauty of this country, though. I mean, because you're because I'm not. You think I'm kind of kidding, but I, I don't. I mean, you look at some of the groups of people who are. I mean, if you want to just break it down by ethnicity, which uh, okay, whatever. You know, you guys are from the same country, whatever. There's a lot of ethnic groups in this country who are doing better than white people. I mean, one of the top groups is Asians. You look at Asian people and they do well, especially around here. I mean, I, 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 I'm down at UW servicing uh, stores down there. And there is so many Asian women and not honestly not as many Asian dudes, but there is quite a bit. But so many Asians down there. I mean, I honestly think they are a majority on that campus. And I, I, don't, I have no problem with that. In fact, I'm very pro- Asian women, you know, I'm all about that, but it it is, it is, that's the beauty of this country is that, you know, they, they can come here and if they want to work hard, they want to study, they want to do all that stuff. All right. Yeah. We'll give you a shot, you know, as, uh, as long as you're not from one of the seven countries. Six now. Oh, that's true. Iraq, Iraq, you're back. You're back guys. We missed you for a little bit there. (laughs) But I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, to be honest. Well, um, I know you have a lot of thoughts on diversity and identity politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't you just go to a protest, uh, an event this weekend? Uh, I did, actually. That's I, I, did, I mentioned that to you earlier, didn't I? Okay. Yeah. Wow, I almost forgot about that. Uh, yeah, 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 I did, actually. There was, a, there was a Black Lives Matter rally going on uh, down in, on Capitol Hill. Shocker there, a rally on Capitol Hill. 
Um, yeah, went down there on Saturday night. Actually, this thing started at six o'clock on a Saturday. What? S- started at six o'clock. Holy shit! Which you know, for me, worked at night. At night. Okay, yeah. I thought you meant in the morning. No, no, right. no. That sounds. I think I think that's almost more ridiculous though. I I mean, worked out well for me because I had to work till five. So it, it worked out well. I got off right after that, headed down. But uh, I, I wanted to check it out. I wanted to see what was going on. The the description now, for the the description for the event on Facebook. You know, I was checking it out and looking at the wall and looking at the description on it. And the grammatical errors I saw in this one paragraph of writing just uh, kind of got me a little worked up. And I was like, I I got to check this out. I got to I got to find out more. I got to see what's going on. Yeah. Well, you know, grammar, the Bible of grammar, is written mm-hmm. by a couple of fellows named Strunk and White. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to. Uh, step off a little bit here, <laughs> right? I don't think you want to go up to some Black Lives you, protesters and be like, "Hey, are hey, you telling me you need to listen is- to Mister White when it comes to how you write?" <laughs> are you telling me good grammar is part of white privilege, Blake? Is that what you're telling me? I'm just looking out. Okay, fair enough. Well, you know, it, it was just something I, I was like, "What the hell?" So, so, anyways, I wanted to check it out, and I, and and more than anything, I want to talk to people. You know, I want to talk to people. I like talking to people like you because we agree on stuff. But we don't agree on a lot of stuff, a and lot. and those honestly are the more fun conversations I enjoy having. They're more riveting, and I would love if you told me something by the end of the conversation. I'd be like, "Oh wow, I didn't, I didn't never thought of that, or I didn't, I didn't know that was the case. Actually, I didn't know that was true. I, I'm, I'm all for that. You know, I, I've said on this show many times, I'm not married to any of my ideas. But so I went down there and just wanted to talk and just you know, and I, honestly, I kind of went with the anti-protest. Yeah, you, you know, I wanted to. I like to be a little bit of an agitator at times, or again, at least get people to see things from a different perspective that they haven't before. And so I had a sign that, um, that showed some homicide statistics and, um, the sign, it basically said, uh, 16 last year's 2016 homicide statistics. And one statistic was 16 unarmed black men killed by the police. And the other one was the number of murders in the city of Chicago last year, which was 750. And, you know, just left at that. Uh, was kind of hoping that would be my starter and peel back. Hey, you know, what, you, what, what is this all about? You know, that, that's kind of what I was expecting. Maybe angry, maybe not. You know, I, I realize I'm ruffling a few feathers here, I'm sure. You know, especially for some of the more sensitive people. But, um, you know, just wanted to get a conversation going. And surprisingly I, I no one really wanted to talk nobody really wanted to talk to me i mean everybody's marching everybody's chanting they're doing all that stuff they're holding their signs which i mean most of the signs were black lives matter that was it which like well, yeah i mean we we know that's that's i know that's what, what we're doing here but um yeah i was really surprised nobody it, it, until the very end until the very end one girl, because I, cause I, I, I cut them off at the pass. You know, they were going down the street. They, they stopped. It's weird. They stop in the middle of the street, and then they'll have a couple guys get on the megaphone, and they'll shout, and there were some girls too. And then they'll get up, and then we'll march further, and then we'll stop, and then everybody will sit down on the ground, which was kind of weird to me too. Like, like everybody's sitting down in the middle of the street. Like, no, this is Capitol Hill. I'm not going to sit down in the street. Do you know how nasty some of these streets are? Around here, like this. No, like, what do you guys? A lot of used condoms you guys are sitting on. Exactly. Thank you. It's like, and what are we doing here? Why are we on the ground? Are you guys preparing us for Sharia law? <laughs> I mean, this is like the third time we've done this. But 
So they did that, and so I got up and I and I got in front of them, and they were marching. So I was like, all right, I'll just find a good spot, and then I'll just you know hold it where everybody can see. You know, kept my mouth shut, didn't say a word, and people walked by, and and people were looking, you know, which is all I wanted. I just wanted people to look, and they definitely were. People were looking, people were reading, so that was good. Nobody really said anything until the very end. They all basically passed, and then this one nice white girl. I'm I don't know why I say white girl. Eighty percent of the people there were white. Um, she comes up to me and starts talking and, you know, we just, we just had a conversation. She just, you know, she was nice. She was polite. And Did she, you get a number? No, she, she got to the systemic racism and all that stuff. But while me and her were talking, having a good conversation back and forth and, you know, using some facts and whatnot, another guy comes up, um, uh, this black guy, he comes up and he's talking to me and he was actually really civil at the start. You know, he's like, Hey, what's going on with this sign here? And you know, I was like, Oh, you know, just some just some facts, some statistics. I just thought were interesting, and you know, and I just wanted to see people people see things maybe from a little different perspective. Conversation continues, continues, slowly escalates, slowly escalates, and then finally gets to the point where he tells me he's going to come back in five minutes, and if I'm still there, he's going to kick my ass. So it was good for a while, and uh, I mean, you know, honestly, getting threatened to get my ass kicked i i was kind of expecting it i i figured at some point it might come up i kind of i don't want to go by myself for that reason you know i mean at least if you get your ass kicked you want one of your friends to be able to see him like oh dude he got the shit kicked out oh, dude i can't believe i almost thought he was dead i almost thought he was dead i mean i was gonna like say it. i'll go next time so i can watch yeah well i wouldn't expect you to fight on my behalf you know we're good friends but you're not on. black yeah <laughs> this is seattle <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was just interesting though, man, because I thought I thought I was gonna get I thought I was gonna get more people. I mean, even if they were angry, I thought I was gonna get more people talking. It was, and until the very end, those two, that was it. So, well, that's you know that's a pretty good return on investment. You got you invested one human, you got two out. I yeah, mean, hey, that's well, not terrible. Yeah, that's true. Well, and the and the piece of paper was a dollar too. I paid a dollar for that sign. Yeah. Luckily, I had the right colors. I'm just saying, house. like in terms of like inciting conversation, one people are not protest to talk. Yeah, I know that's really it's really interesting. Like I've noticed that in the last couple I've been to. Yeah, I mean there there's going to be people in the crowd who are yeah. who are like there for similar reasons to you. Like maybe they feel more strongly on one side of the issue, mm-hmm. but they might just be there because they want to show support, and maybe they're hoping they'll see someone who they can kind of talk to too. Yeah. But most people go to a protest because they feel passionately about a topic and they want to they want others to see them. They want to be heard, as they put it. They want to make their voices heard. I don't know what that phrase means, because how can your voice not be heard? I mean, obviously, it's just talking to yourself. Yeah. If you're in a room by yourself. It's like when people say, I'm just thinking out loud. That's no, that's called talking. That's what that is. You don't need to say thinking out loud. Yeah. You don't need to say making my voices heard. That's just called talking. <laughs> exactly. We're going to go outside and talk loud. That's yeah. the phrase you're looking for. We're going to go be loud and get attention. <laughs> you're right. Thinking and out loud is exi- exactly the same thing as talking. They're not They're not going to have a constructive conversation, especially not with somebody who shows up uh, painting themselves as an opponent. Mm-hmm. Now, you have... Uh, ulterior motives you say Mm -hmm. but you wore the costume of a person who is there to not to not there to have a conversation yeah the costume over there of a person who wants to have a conversation has a question mark on the end 
or talk to me about, tell me about your thing. But yeah. like, you know, you, you wore a costume that was contrarian Yeah, and you know, people don't go to a protest to have a, to have a discussion with a, somebody who's opposed to them. They're going to a protest to oppose something. Yeah, that's true. You're plus a fucking the, idiot, Aaron. Plus the Why white... did you do this to yourself? You're all disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> like you got all dressed up to go on a date with a prostitute, and you're disappointed that you didn't get a kiss. Yeah. Plus the white gown I was wearing probably didn't help for did you conversation wear a, did purposes. You, did you really wear a gown? <laughs> no, I did not. I did slick my hair, though. So I think they thought I was like some greaser. Um, did you stay to see if that guy would come kick your ass? I hung around for about three minutes. And then she was kind of worried. She was like, um, well, you better get out of here. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not worried about that guy. Like, did you say just if like he that? was, if he was that, well, if he's, if he's really worried about kicking my ass, uh, I'm not worried about him. Not, <laughs> Listen, baby, you don't got to worry about me. All right? Just tell me if you see him sniggling up behind me. <laughs> I don't want to get sucker punched. No, it's like, if, if you're not angry enough to beat me up right now, you're not going to do it in five minutes, all right? You're, you're, if you're not looking at my stupid face, nothing is going to happen that's going to change your mind enough. Yeah. And when you get, oh, oh you beat, I, you're going to beat me up for my sign, man? Oh, really? Yeah, all right. Sure. No, that's exactly the sort of, uh, you know, political f- posturing that made the Cold War possible. He made a threat. He knew that he wasn't really going to follow through on it, mm. but it had the desired effect. Look at that little callback there. That's right. Very nice. Yeah, no, it started off very civil, you know, very civil. It's just like the Bay of Pigs. What did you do to piss him off so much? It, like I said, we started talking, and I just was like, "No, I'm just bringing up some ulterior statistics." And he's like, "Whoa, so what? You, so what? You think that that we're out here for no reason?" I, and I was just like, "No, I was like, I just the way that my brain is programmed is I try to look at things from the top down. I want to see the biggest problem, and then let's address that." Let's see what we can do about that. Okay, nice. What's okay? What's the next biggest thing that's that we need to solve? This down. Okay, yeah, that's that's that probably wasn't as big of a deal as the last thing, but it's definitely still important though. And then, okay, we got that. All right, let's go. And to me, if you want to talk about Black Lives Mattering, then I think you need to talk about the biggest segment of Black Lives that appear to not be mattering. Next time you want to rile them up. They posted their phone number on their Facebook page. Next time, uh, get a get a hot friend to come with you, and just put the number on the sign with like free blowjobs. <laughs> just put that number up there. That might have got a little bit more fighting words actually. Yeah. And wear like a and then wear like a Nazi costume, mm-hmm. and 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 have a, a a poster board with that Facebook post on it, uh-huh. and go around like with with red pen marking up all the mistakes and be like, <laughs> "I am true. a grammar Nazi." Proof. <laughs> Your race is inferior when it comes to grammar. That would be so good. Oh man! Then you'll get the shit kicked out of you for sure. Yeah, yeah. they wouldn't. They wouldn't find that funny. But I'd have to bring a few more friends around to pull that off. But yeah, no. I just that, that's just me. I just I just I, I look for the top down approach, you know. And and it, and here's the thing: sixteen unarmed black men killed. It's obviously not good. Okay, obviously not good. We don't want anybody getting shot by the cops. There's over a million cops in this country, in all municipalities, and 16 guys getting shot in a nation of 330 million people? I'd say that's not an epidemic, at least. 
where you want to categorize it from there, that I'll, I'll leave that to you. But certainly not an epidemic. I don't know how many marches we need for that. You know, I, if you want to have some marches for, hey, you know. Well, I'm going to err on the side of um, optimism. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to suggest that maybe you're oversimplifying what they're protesting. Because I don't know anything about Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I've somehow managed to avoid everything except the headline news. So I know that they're a you know grassroots political organization protesting systemic racism and police br- brutality. Mm-hmm. And you're citing a statistic well, the chain, about the chains too. You're citing a statistic about homicides mm-hmm. as though that is the sole point on which they're protesting. And I'm going to err on the side of optimism about other people and say, no, Aaron, I think maybe (laughs) these people are all out there protesting something bigger than just homicide rates. Mm -hmm. They might really all be feeling strongly about the fact that black lives are really disrupted by the war on drugs. That's a massive issue in the country of 330 million people. We have the highest incarceration rates in the world, the majority of whom are black. I don't know if that's a bullet point in the black lives matter movement. But I'm willing to bet that a lot of people out there protesting, when they say Black Lives Matter, they're not talking about people being buried. They're talking about the right to have a good life. Yeah. Well, and and in their defense, they did bring up, I believe it was a new youth prison or something that they're working, looking to build and some or something like that. And so that was a that was a the bunker in Seattle. They still building that. I don't know. It's something I. I, I couldn't really tell. They weren't given a lot of facts, but um, so you're, you're right about that. And it isn't, and I am probably boiling it down to just one part of it. And who knows, maybe it's not even the biggest part of it, but it, this is where it stemmed from though. It, it started with Michael Brown and that's kind of where it got, it got uh, some momentum and that was against police brutality. Well, well don't mistake the um, gas on the fire for the spark that lit it. Michael Brown was the gas on the fire. That was the thing that like got the movement a lot of traction, a lot of like, holy shit, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because murder sells. Yeah. That stuff in the media sells. Big violent riots and stuff sells. But And maybe the name Black Lives Matter got really started there, there too. But maybe the... Oh, wait, no, that would be the spark. Sorry, that's all the spark. <laughs> but maybe the gas, maybe the, maybe the stuff that's really combusting, the fuel for this mo- movement is something that's been there for a lot longer. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it has, man. I'm sure it has. I mean, that, I think most of these movements have some deep-seated stuff. I mean, I'd look at the Women's to, March. Stick and... to criticizing people on, on grammar. I think you're safe there. <laughs> I will definitely criticize the shit out of their grammar. But not on Facebook, though, man. That, that pisses me off. It's like, this isn't a formal format here, all right? Like, And then these people will do this, like grammar or spell check mic drop where it's like you can make the most eloquent point. You can say something that's so great and it makes so much sense and you use the wrong your yeah. and it's all null and void now. And the person, that's all they had to say. And it's, and they get like a million likes. It's like, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> fuck you. You know, how, you know how much of a fever I was in when I wrote that? Yeah. Um, you know, petty criticism like that, usually comes from a petty person and you shouldn't really worry about not impressing a petty person. Yeah. Well, it's all about context too. It's like if we're on Facebook, if we're texting, if we're doing something 
stupid like that. Like, who cares? I mean, it's, this isn't a job application I'm filling out here. I'll take your silence as you agree with me 100%. And you think I'm a handsome guy. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that, Blake. I just ran out of steam for a second there. I had to reset some buttons in the old noggin. Speaking of running out of steam, I think we're getting a little long in the tooth here, to be honest. And I know you got somewhere you want to be here in a little bit. So um, why don't we wrap this puppy up here? But um, yeah, let's let's I'm going to put a little positive spin on it, too. I'm going to try to err on the side of positive like you just did. And I'm going to say you're right about me on the on the BLM march. I am boiling it down to maybe just one aspect that's not enough. And there's a lot of other people that are doing this too. You know, they see one bad thing that this person's done or one bad thing that they said, and then they just focus, they hone in on that. And that's it. That's that whole person's character. That's entirely who they are. And I think we need to work on that. You know, I mean, you know, you can judge and critique people a little bit for their faults here and there, but let's maybe try to focus on some of the positive stuff and maybe not just get fixated on the little negative stuff that we don't appreciate and kind of try to figure out where we can agree and where we can appreciate each other. Well, yeah, but not for the president. <laughs> That's dumb. I mean, if you're trying to find somebody to work at a gas station overnight, yeah, you know, you can, you can maybe give a convicted felon a chance. Mm-hmm. You trying to find someone to greet customers at your bank uh, yeah, this guy with the weird comment about women on his Facebook wall might not work out, but let's give him a chance. The guy with the nuclear suitcase, when he says, grab him by the pussy, and he tweets people weird shit at 3 a.m., and it sounds like he's like having hot flashes and making shit up. Like It sounds like he's up drinking late watching Breitbart, and he's just like thinking that this, he's like he's like one of those guys listening to it in his car if he drove himself places, talking back to the radio, being like, yeah, you understand me. We get it. Like, maybe not him. Like, I think I, I think you're painting a, a nice idealistic way to live. Idealistic is a negative word in our modern age, and I don't mean it in the negative sense. I mean it in the uh, more uh, strict dictionary sense of um, just, you know, an ideal world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean it in the sense that you're naive. I just mean... You're painting it in an ideal way of how we could all just get along. And I just pragmatically, I think it's okay to be picky about the president. And I know you're thinking about Trump Mm -hmm. when you say all that stuff about not focusing on little slips. These aren't Bushisms. Strategery (laughs) is a far cry from just sneak up on them and grab them by the pussy. They'll let you do it if you're rich. That's true. Okay. Well, you know what? Say what you want about Trump, but... (laughs) Give Harry Truman a break, all right? <laughs> he did the best he could, Blake. He did the best he could in a bad situation. I don't I don't have anything against Harry Truman. I just don't like to hear him hero worship from afar. Mm-hmm. He was a drugstore clerk who got promoted to the job of president, and he did the best he could. The best he could might not have been that great, but we got lucky. It was Unfortunately, it was just good enough. I mean, Jesus Christ, what did Harry Truman do? He dropped a nuke on Japan, and then mm-hmm. he didn't drop nukes on Russia. And we, we give him a standing ovation for both. <laughs> and then the same people will, like, boo him for dropping a nuke on Japan and then be like, oh, good job not dropping a nuke on Russia. You're either an apologist for nukes or you're a, you're a hater of nukes. And you, either way, you love Harry Truman for one and you hate him for the other. It's like, Jesus, 
He was just a drugstore clerk who got promoted to president. Just give him a break. You don't need to hero worship him. You don't need to criticize him. Just leave him alone. I say just erase him from the history books and forget he ever existed. No, all right. No hero worship for Trump. All right. It's way too early for that. But I will challenge the liberals out there. Try to find one policy that he's enacted or that he's done that you are in favor of, that you approve of. Okay. Try to find one. Because I know a lot of you will say, there's none of them. There's none of them. They all suck. But I bet you can find one or two if you guys do some searching. All right. And, you know, at least there's a little something we can all bring to the conversation. So, but. Melania's um, clothing line. Mm. I, I got to go with I got to go with Kellyanne Conway. I mean, was it unethical for her to be pitching products? Yes. Are they good products? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they used to be carried at Nordstrom. Nordstrom is not a shitty yeah. company. They they carry quality craftsmanship. Yeah. I don't know if you can trust a woman who will put her feet up on the couch though, even with no shoes on. What a broad. All right, you guys, we got to wrap it up. Sorry. Uh, that was not the strongest finish we've ever had. But, uh, you know, hey, we, we gave it our all, you guys. All right. We did the best we could. You you look like FDR in his late days right now. Speaking of presidents, just rocking in that chair. You look, you look so content, you know. Did the best you could. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Earful in the Emerald City. We appreciate the shit out of you guys. That was uh, fun. Episode 69. Yeah, Can't Blake, thank you for again. being around. Well, you'll probably be hearing some more of this guy. He's, uh, we got a good going on. He cracks I, me up. I'm willing. He, he is willing. I'm he willing, is willing to come do his show. Same, same for you ladies. All right. He's got his own place now. He's got an apartment. So, oh, I thought you were pitching to the women. Like, I don't know. That, that's your standard. I, I mean, don't know how ready he for is. For podcast guests, that's his standard. He's just, he is want, willing. Just got to be willing. Yeah, exactly. Same to you ladies. Just got to be willing. As long as. I got a nice leather couch and a keyboard. <laughs> as long as you don't protest, then that's all I need here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Episode 69, Earful in the Emerald City. We're going to cut this thing off, but again, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, been another episode. We will talk with you guys next week. <laughs>